What's up, everybody? And thank you so much for joining us again on another amazing episode of the Black Girls in Media podcast. I am your host, Kelly Ray, and I have a very special guest with me today. I'm super excited to talk to this young lady. Um, as we all know, it is election season. The election is just a couple of days away. And so we in the Black Girls in Media organization thought that it would be really important to talk to a political reporter on her journey and how is it you know, going being a reporter in this political climate. And so my beautiful guest today is Miss Raquel Martin. Thank you for having me. Yes. Good. Surviving. No so we, this is the audio recording and we also do the video side. So for everyone that's watching the video side, I'm just going to say that Raquel looks gorgeous. <laughs> and if you're Thank watching, you. And if you're listening to the audio side, then go check out the video so you can see. <laughs> but first, Raquel, I just want to kind of get started and let's just tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Well, my name's Raquel Martin. As you said, I am a political journalist. I work for a local TV group that's based in DC, and then we have a bunch of stations all over the country, and I cover politics. I cover Congress, uh, Supreme Court, at times the White House, not right now, because they have a lot of COVID right now, so we're not going there. Um, I'm from Long Beach, California. Um, I went to San Diego State. That's where I graduated. Um, and then from there, I started working in different newsrooms. I worked in San Diego as a producer, or writer rather, and then I went to AT7 in LA and I started um, being an assignment editor. If people don't know what that is, that's when you are doing the groundwork, the news gathering portion of news. Um, and that was exciting, but then I, I, my goal when I went to school was to become a journalist on air. So then I went to Illinois, I became a state house reporter and I worked within the state house for two years. And then I ended up in DC where I'm reporting now. Awesome. So I saw on your website that your degree is in journalism and as well, you have like a concentration in political science, right? Um, and so for me, I was kind of wondering, do you feel like the concentration in political science was necessary to be a political reporter? Like for anyone that's listening right now, if they're interested, you know, if they're already a news reporter and they just have, you know, like a normal journalism degree, but they're interested in switching over to politics, you know, do you feel like that concentration really helped you or do you feel like it's kind of open as long as you, you know, know what you're talking about? Yeah, I'd say it's more open as I know some of my classes I really liked in my undergrad that were political science, but I wouldn't say they gave me necessarily a huge advantage over people who didn't, you know, take these specific courses. And most of what I've learned about government has been on the job. It was kind of a sink and swim situation. I applied for a state house position and, you know, just like the ins and outs of how legislation is made in different state houses and what these committees are like, those are just things you learn on the job. So I wouldn't say if you don't have the background in political science to count yourself out of doing political journalism, you kind of have to like jump into it and really be a student because you have to learn on the go. Um, so that you can ask good questions and so that you know how things are proceeding in a state house or in Congress. Um, so yeah. Okay, and so how did you get your current position at your station in DC? Well, I am also a member of the National Association of Black Journalists. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are. Um, and I know mentors that I've had through that organization have really instilled in me to just kind of be a go-getter, talk to people, network while you're there. Um, and I was at the CNN workshop. I was coming at the end of my contract at my state house job with WCIA. And I saw a girl that I recognized because she worked for our bureau, which is what I work in now. So I, re I just you know, came up to her, wanted to know about um, what they did. 
And it was just, you know, face-to-face learning what they did because I was interested in trying to go to DC to cover national politics. So we exchanged information and when, um, and she actually reached out to me later and said, you know, I'm, there's going to be an opening here because someone was going to break their contract. She gave me her boss's email. She looked over my stuff. I also reached out to other mentors who work in DC politics to get their say so if this is a good move. Um, And I just kind of, you know, tailored my resume, um, tailored my uh, cover letters. to really hone in on what I thought was applicable for a DC job. Uh, you know, what I do in the state house, a lot of that is so transferable to work here. So uh, I just kind of shot my shot, <laughs> um, reached out, sent an email. Um, and I, the funny thing is I was so close to taking another job in Columbus, Ohio. And I actually got a phone call from the, my boss now here and he offered me it. So I had to kind of renege um and come to DC but it was the best decision I could have made and I know you you've probably seen or everyone's probably seen what's gone on here the last two years and I just got here the last two years and it's been non-stop since I've been here and like I was saying being a student on the go and even learning how you know congress functions how like the process works which is so much of reporting is understanding the process um, I just kind of got thrown in and I had to to learn how everything works out here and, and develop sources and people I could talk to about policy. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I saw on your bio that you, so you started this shop in March of 2019, I believe. Right. So you are- So I'm going on two years right there. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. So congratulations on that landmark. Thanks. Um, and so I guess for anyone that's listening, you know, my question to you is, you know, I know you kind of talked about you just have to be a student and you, you know, you just really have to kind of, you know, be on your feet and just try to learn as much as you possibly can. But um, I guess for you personally, you know, how has the journey been? You know, are you are you loving it, especially with everything that is going on in this political climate that we have today? You know, how has it been to kind of just get thrown into this mix of madness? Yeah. It's it's emotionally taxing at time, I will admit, just uh, because of how much is going on. And I know a lot of people as Black journalists involved in what's been going on on the ground to legislatively have been, you know, more emotionally tied to these issues. So that has been a lot. But I know I've made friends on the Hill that are also Black, other Black journalists, we've had a meetup to kind of reflect on how everyone was doing mental health-wise because we need to prioritize that. Um, So that is taking a step back and, you know, unplugging from the news, but it is very hard to, I will admit that. And I think everyone is just praying and hoping that after the election, somehow there will be like a week of calm, there'll be no news because we just literally haven't had that in DC in so long. Usually, you and you, I know I talked to colleagues who worked under the Obama administration, and they talk about how different the climate was, how there'd be like more of a struggle to find stories. And like every day there is like the world's coming to an end type of he- headlines um, that you're digging into. So uh, it hasn't stopped. Um, and, and trying to find a work-life balance is difficult right now, but just hoping that, you know, there'll be a little bit of a break soon uh, where you can kind of take a a breath to catch up, Um, but having, finding other black journalists on the Hill has helped just to have some people to reflect and, you know, you're processing these emotions, you're processing so much, but being able to fill it out and 
like, oh yeah, I feel that too. It gives you some validation. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of going along with that, you know, how do you manage to stay neutral when you're telling your stories and, you know, you might feel passionately one way or another, but of course, as journalists, you know, we just have to um, just report on the facts, right? Nobody wants our opinions. So how do you, you know, stay neutral? Well, I think one advantage I do have is I come from Long Beach, California, and I moved to the Midwest in the middle of the cornfields, downstate Illinois. So just kind of those contrasts and environments and people and cultures, I feel gave me an advantage. And a lot of probably journalists feel this way because, you know, you move all over the country to places you, you know, you had never been before, people you don't, you're not familiar with. And it gives you a lot of insight. Um, and, and it helps you. I know there is so much demonization in politics right now, but understand people uh, from all different backgrounds with different political views. So that's one thing to keep in perspective, and that helps keep in perspective who politicians, who their constituents are, what their policies are built off, and why. And and so you don't aren't quick to demonize, you know, what they're doing and why. Uh, but like the easiest thing to say, you know, unbiased is to always reach out to both sides. And I know from my news organization and all news organizations really, you have to reach out to both sides. And um, I foster relationships with lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, they're press people. And I think they know I give them an honest shake. Um, I'm going to ask you questions. I'll be able to push back if, um, you know, there is arguments that counter what you're saying, but it's all fair, um, you know, and I'm never going to try and write a piece to lean a certain way. I'm just shooting down the middle, you know, so-and-so said this, and this is why, and this is what they're doing, and this is why so-and-so disagrees. So, um, and then, uh, you know, another great part of, you know, staying unbiased is also reaching out to other nonpartisan organizations to provide context and uh, experts who can provide context. So it's easy to stay down the middle when you have those people specifically who can lay down the facts if someone is not being honest. Um, but, you know, it's a part of the job. Um, just staying down the middle, it, it, it's kind of in my nature at this point. I, I would feel uncomfortable going on with a story that didn't have both sides or the full picture. Yeah. So one of the main kind of critiques right now against, you know, journalism or journalists is that, you know, the whole fake news narrative, right? So do you feel like that narrative has kind of um, just gotten away of you being able to do your job? Like, have you seen any kind of, you know, like negative um, effects because of the whole fake news narrative? I think the only negative effect has been like journalists feeling endangered, which is an actual real problem. I know when I, I obviously I work on the Hill mostly now, I'm not like around people and doing people's stories as much. But even when I was on the ground, I'm like at the tail end of my like uh, reporting job, there were people yelling fake news about me through trucks and stuff. And like, I've seen things on the internet where people are just getting physically violent and verbally, None, neither of it is excusable. I'd say that's the most difficult part about it, but like I haven't changed anything in how I function because I've never functioned as a fake news organization and I don't think anyone is necessarily navigating that. I know maybe more on the managerial side, uh, maybe there is a, a, you know, more, more I, uh, I don't know what the word is, but focus on ensuring that the word choices that we have don't lean, just you don't want to incite either side. So maybe I've gotten that more commentary 
Um, but more or less, it's not really affecting how I do my job because I've been trained on school for this to be a journalist and a journalist isn't out there spewing opinions. It's, that's not my job. And I, I feel like most journalists I know are, are dealing with it the same. So being, you know, so involved in the political climate and everything that's going on in DC, you know, what would you say to someone that feels like, you know, my my vote doesn't matter or, you know, my opinion or my decisions on things like don't really matter, doesn't affect anything? Well, I would definitely say, of course, it, it definitely does. Um, and I know it might seem minor, uh, but obviously if it was minor, you wouldn't see so much. Um, energy and billions, millions of dollars invested in trying to sway your vote. Um, it's all you have. I mean, as someone who's a journalist, I'm like all, you know, very into, you know, your first amendment, you know, uh, our democracy. And I mean, it's fundamental. Um, if you don't exercise it, and you also complain too about the circumstances in your community, um, you're really not going to be able to help alleviate that and, and everyone always talks about, you know, your local politicians really do have the biggest impact. And I feel like people really do need to uh, be aware of who's running for their sheriff or for their city council. These are people making those bottom line issues for their school boards. Um, so I'm always going to advocate for people to be aware. I mean, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm trying to make it as digestible as possible and as engaging as possible so that people, uh, you know, feel incited to, to participate. Um, because other people are participating. Um, and if you don't, you're just going to skew uh, what the outcome is in the wrong way. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say are some of your pros and cons or highs and lows of being a political reporter in DC? Um, well, I'd say the highs are just some of the uh, historic, events that I've had like a front seat in, in, in watching and, and being able to talk to senators about these, you know, impactful pieces of legislation or, um, you know, I was on, I was reporting when they were doing the impeachment. So just having a front row seat, seeing it all go down it, it is a high um, to be able to, uh, in some small way, inform people and keep them informed about what's going on to engage them to have them say I want to participate that is definitely a high a low is always going to be the exhaustion that comes with the job I would say um, you know before COVID hit I, I MMJ as well so on occasion um, you know running around the hill with the camera and a tripod sweating on deadline is always a low day. <laughs> um, you know, you committed to too many interviews. And I would say also a low is also when you start a new job half the time, it's just, you hit, it, it's a low point usually. I feel like every new chapter you start off and it's like, can I do this? And you like kind of panicking and down on yourself. And then you get to the point where you prove that you can to yourself and your uh, your superiors or whatever. So I'd say a low is that part when you're struggling and, and the high is, is, is conquering it as well. Um, and then really getting to participate on these big days and these big stories and, and actually, you know, breaking stories is always a high too. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the reasons that you decided to be a political reporter? 
Um, well, I would say, I know in my household, um, my dad liked to watch a lot of news, so I would come home um, and, and watch the news coverage with, with him, and I would found myself really engaged in it. Um, and then, you know, it further sparked the fire when I got into college and I started doing these political science classes. And like I said, those are some of my favorite classes. Um, just kind of diving in discussion about society, societal issues, policy. Um, so when it came to, I wanted to do journalism. I, I, I thought it would be something I could be, I could be good at it, something I could go to work and not feel like you're working. You know, you always hear from your, your um, elders to find a job that doesn't feel like work. And so I picked journalism and then I thought, what's something you can really dig my teeth into that's not just day to day, um, but something that can impact people's lives. And, and it's funny you brought up, what would you say to people who don't think that their vote matters? That's exactly why I went into journalism. I want to engage communities that otherwise um, may not pay attention. I'm still trying to hone in a way to, to uh, get, um, I guess, uh, more people engaged in, in a different format. Um, but yeah, that, that's what motivates me. If I could make any sort of impression, if I could tell any story that hits home to anybody um, and, and, and it more so just empowers them, um, that's, a, that's a job well done for the day. And so what advice would you give to someone that is kind of either on the fence or are really looking into being a political reporter? If you want to be a political reporter, my biggest advice is you have to love it. Um, I know I spend like day in to day out uh, watching news, reading news, and I, and it doesn't feel like a burden to me because I'm actually really engaged. I really care. I'm really into it. And I know not everybody would. I, I have other friends and colleagues in the industry. But I don't understand. How you get I hate when I get so, I mean, I, I guess it's not for everyone. And um, I, my biggest advice is to try it out. I know I started off newspaper at my school, at my college. I would try that beat, for instance, um, maybe try covering a city council um, to really try and see if it's something that engages you. You kind of know, you know, it, it'll, I don't know, the fire starts burning and you want to keep going. Um, but yeah, just if you love it, do it um, and you can do it. It's the most important part. I know it can be intimidating and, and I would say that it, and, but you kind of just have to throw yourself into it um, and be a student, read a lot. Um, it's my biggest advice, um, but yeah, it's, it, it, anyone can do it. You just have to kind of buckle down and make it kind of your life. Yeah, and so speaking of it kind of being your life, one of my um, last few questions that I have for you. So election week is next week or by the time that you guys are listening to this, it'll be a couple of days away. So what does election week look like for you as a political reporter in DC? Are you kind of working around the clock coverage? Is it overtime or is it pretty like a normal week for you guys? It's a, sorry, there's something in my face. That's a good question. It's a funny question because literally I just emailed my boss like, what is our election day plan? Because he hasn't told us. He's like, well, we're going to find out on Wednesday, Thursday. And it's um, also in flux because my company has been expanding. They just bought a cable station. Um, so their goals are like constantly shifting. I know some of my colleagues, I didn't volunteer quick enough apparently, but they're going to go to Delaware to the Biden camp. 
Um, and then a few of us are going to cover the Trump campaign. Some of us want to kind of cover some Senate races. So I just have to figure out where I'm going to fall in line. It sounds like I'm, I am going to be working on election night um, and coverage up until then will probably be focused on what those maybe Senate races or what's the latest on the presidential campaign. We're in a unique position where we don't really travel. So I'm not a campaign reporter. I'm a congressional reporter. I cover the Hill. The lawmakers will be leaving to go campaign for these last few weeks. So um, we're going to have to figure out and shift what um, our objective is. I don't know is a, is a, a shorter answer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is understandable. And one last thing for you, Raquel. So what would you say to someone who is, you know, probably still in college or, you know, recently out of um, college and they are trying to be a political reporter, but they don't necessarily, you know, live in the DMV area. They don't necessarily live somewhere where, you know, politics are, you know, any and everywhere. So what kind of advice would you give to them to just still get them some experience without necessarily being in, you know, a very political state? Well, one, um, I started off at newspaper doing my campus politics. There's probably politics in any, you know, community. Um, so my university, if you're in college, uh, I would find the paper, find the uh, radio. I did radio. Uh, sometimes they have a TV station and try to get that beat. And what's interesting about the political beat, I don't know how it is now, but back when I was in college, it wasn't a very popular beat. So it was very easy to get. No one really wants to go to city council. Um, and also, uh, you know, a community paper, if you are not in college, you can also see if there's any community papers, if there's any Black community papers. I worked at the Voice and Viewpoint in San Diego, which is a Black-run newspaper there uh, who gave me an opportunity. Um, and then also, if you um, live in a state capital, that's always a great place to go to. And there are public radio stations. There's other newspapers like like uh, I was mentioning um, to get your foot in the door uh, to try out the beat. Um, also city councils. Um, if, if you look at a newspaper that is a local government that you could, uh, you know, check in on. And I know there's a lot of city council races. Um, so there's, there's lots of opportunity if you look around and ask around, I'm sure there is something going on in the community that you could cover and maybe a newspaper or radio uh, that would be interested in having that um, journalism provided. Yeah, absolutely, thank you for that. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. Hopefully your election coverage goes smooth and you're not- I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I hope we get a plan soon so we know it goes smooth, but we'll find out. <laughs> Absolutely. Is there anything else that you would like to add or say, Raquel? That's that's usually my last question for <laughs> my interview. Um, I guess the only other thing was that just repeating that if you are interested in trying politics, don't be afraid of it. And just reemphasizing the fact that I know it's intimidating. Um, but really just throwing yourself into it and, and getting mentors, um, even if you have questions on how, um, is the first step, if that's something that really interests you and you really wanna uh, you know, dig into it, so. Absolutely, so for anybody that is listening to this, how can they connect with you or follow you on social media? Okay, uh, I'm trying to think what is my, oh, <laughs> I'm always confused on what my Twitter handle is. It's, my Twitter is probably the most active social media I use. It's Raquel Martin TV. So it's pretty simple. 
Um, that's the best way to find my news. Uh, my more playful side is on Instagram, um, just under Raquel J. Martin. Um, and that's just, you know, more my personal blog. I sometimes share news on there. But if you want news, I would definitely say follow my Twitter. Yes, absolutely. And once again, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you guys so much for listening. Really appreciate all the support that you have been given the Black Girls in Media podcast. Make sure that you follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at BGIM Podcast. And then also you can follow me on my personal Instagram at it's Kelly Ray. And until next time, guys, thank you so much, Raquel. Thank you.